What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks and uh, well and truly in off-season mode now. But the conference finals are still going. So we have to ask the question, what is the most annoying thing about the Bucks no longer playing in this year's NBA playoffs? We'll continue to look back a little bit before we look ahead. Uh, we know the draft and everything is coming up soon here. So we've got plenty of time and plenty of things to discuss. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see it, hear me on this show Monday to Friday, and also fun work over at ESPN alongside me. A man also just trying to adjust to off-season mode. Uh, looked like he was at the baseball uh, last night or a couple of nights ago. Looks like he's also moved into a very prominent space in NHL Twitter. Uh, <laughs> it is from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, and uh, we want to thank Sakara today for sponsoring. The show Sakara Nutrition is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish. Go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter code locked on 20 for 20% off at the checkout. We'll talk a bit more about that later on, but it is weird, Justin. And I did a solo pod the other day and I was talking about the fact that I was feeling pretty fine after getting bounced. I mean, of course, I would personally prefer it to the surprise of absolutely no one if the Bucks were still playing basketball and we could still watch Giannis on a daily basis and they could go and win back-to-back titles that would have been absolutely ideal but it is still weird I do find myself now I'm like eh, do I desperately want to watch this basketball that's on TV now not really I'm not that enthralled by the series that are currently going on and just the daily routine is done and now I'm like what do I do with myself there's no midweek basketball to watch the team isn't playing every two days it's a it's always weird. It's always weird. And last year was the was the ultimate. It was the perfect yeah. way for it to end. Obviously that doesn't happen very often, but uh I'm in a bit of a early off season slump, Justin. I, I need need some help. Um last year was the ultimate because it was not only the and I I'm, I'm at the same level to some extent of what you described there of like watching the other conference final games going on. Um but also like you, there's no motivation to listen to the usual basketball podcast yeah. that I listen to now. I was like, well, I don't really need a breakdown of how the uh, heat blew out the Celtics in the third quarter. Um, so it's weird, but like, it's a different feeling than I think the bubble in 2019. And I think you guys kind of touched on this, but you know, we talked about it early in this series that you knew it was going to be incredibly difficult to win that series without Chris Middleton, even a, a full strength bucks team, which <clears throat> You know, in hindsight, I think everybody, Bucks fans at least, would point to and say, well, if Chris Middleton plays, we probably beat the Celtics. And who knows? But we knew it was going to be difficult without Chris Middleton. So to me, it's disappointing to have the season end, and especially as the defending champions in the conference semifinals. But this was kind of like the blow was softened and you were prepared for it when you saw this team is in full strength. So 
it wasn't like 2019 when you were up two games to none against the Raptors and and lose four in a row and just devastated. I think I watched one game after that, and it was game six of the NBA Finals. Uh, it wasn't like the bubble either, where that was just a weird year and, and tough to get back into sports. But the way the rug was kind of pulled out from under you, that was kind of jarring and, and tough to get past. But this one was kind of like, um, I don't want to get too morbid here, but it was almost like saying goodbye to a family member that, you know, you knew like, oh, the health is declining. So let's just make the most of it while we have it. And that was kind of like the end of that series of, holy cow, they stole game five. They they might actually do this. Although I don't know how you felt, but even after game five, and I, I heard part of you and Frank talking about it, but even after winning game five, it was still, man, if they don't win game six, I don't think they can I don't think they're going to go into Boston to win. So you felt great to be up three to two and not be facing elimination at home, but it was still kind of an uneasy feeling of this kind of feels like we're up three to two and game six is the must win for us. And I'll say this, and I've been pretty, I think I've, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast. I've definitely spoken it probably to you about it and Frank and all, all, you know, all our other friends that uh, jump on this podcast can be on everyone in general. I've probably thought that Jason Tatum, the, the desire, like the absolute desire to say that Jason Tatum is like a superstar player to me has been a little weird. I think he's like a fine player. I think a lot of the times yeah. he's inefficient. He's a volume shooter, so he'll get his numbers for sure. But I wouldn't put him, you know, for instance, I saw, you know, comparisons early in the season where yeah. he was like getting near prime Kawhi. And it's like, okay, first of all, prime Kawhi was like fucking unstoppable and, and you know, 60 plus percent true shooting, all the rest of it. So Tatum, to me, there's been this, desire to put him in the absolute elite bracket i just don't think he's there personally but what i will say is when the bucks closed to within four points in game six and they had the home crowd going absolutely nuts you were there justin i was just watching on tv uh jason tatum was the guy that that and to, to me yeah of course the bucks could have won game seven but he was the guy that ended this series by with just some uh utterly ridiculous shot making so to me i have to kind of sit back here and say well i guess i have to give this man some credit that was kind of me too, where I saw the same thing where like coming into the the whole, oh, it's Jason Tatum top five debate. And it's not that I dislike Jason Tatum. It was just kind of the same as you're laying out there of like, he's not, maybe he gets there. He's not there yet. He's like still, think about he's, how he's long. He's about two to three years away from when guys normally win a title anyway. Right, so that's fair. Right. Right. I mean, think about how long it took Giannis to get to that yeah. point too. So um, I, I forget who it was, but I saw somebody throw out the comp of like, you know, I, this isn't meant as a knock, but Jason Tatum is more like Paul Pierce than he is, or not Paul hmm. Pierce, uh, Paul George than he is other guys that were thrown around here. Um, and I was kind of there. And then game six was when you really saw like, all right, maybe this is Jason Tatum's time to do this. The, the shot he hit on the baseline when I think it was a four-point game and there was two seconds left on the shot clock and he just immediately caught it, turned, shot, and hit it, and from there just took over. You were like, well – this, like, you know, we said about game six, you felt like you needed to win that to end the series there anyway. But when Jason Tatum closed the fourth quarter the way he did, it was kind of like 20 years ago when Allen Iverson in game six came to the Bradley Center and scored, what, 26, I think, in that quarter, uh, where it was like, well, it's going back to Philly at 3-3, and Allen Iverson is just unstoppable now. It was tough. It was a tough one to swallow, but as I said, credit to him. So I, I guess that brings me to a question, which I'm going to ask you in just a second, where is when you do think about this series, and by the way, I should still say, I know that 
everyone for good reason you get to the off season and everyone's like all right let's talk roster let's talk moves coming up let's talk the draft uh you guys know with locked on bucks or maybe you don't know if you're new to the show we're gonna be rolling right through the off season so frank's uh, got his cap sheet uh, meticulously prepared and he is the cap guy he's the numbers guy he's gonna come on and tell us not only what the bucks have to spend how much they can spend on certain guys obviously bobby paul uh, one of the main priorities, Pat Gunnan, and obviously he's going to be there as well. So if you're wondering about off-season content and when we're going to get to that, we obviously are, but uh, we have got plenty of time here. So that's the question I'm going to ask you. What still annoys you or what annoys you the most about this series? In uh, As much as we talk about that, and it's only my opinion, and I know a lot of people disagree with me. I did a solo pod the other night where I ran through a bunch of different things, but uh, to me, maybe I expected this or maybe I wasn't all that shocked by it, but... Uh, I just from observing Twitter and the YouTube comments and what everyone says, I know that uh, maybe I'm in the minority. It feels like there are uh, still a lot of things that people are annoyed about uh, during this series, during the season, during last off season. So I'm going to ask you that in a second after I talk about Truebill. Uh, Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to do it. There's over 2 million users uh, that are using Truebill and it's helped save over 100 million bucks. Uh, like our friend here, uh, Matthew B, who says, in a matter of seconds... I saved 660 bucks for the year on my direct TV bill, saved 120 bucks a year on my Sirius XM bill, saved 840 a year on my car insurance, which sounds pretty nice. You could spend a lot uh, with, with that type of money. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now, truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. And to me, when I think about what you would do with all that money, I'd just go straight to built.com and buy a whole year supply of built bars and uh i'm talking about the brownie batter puffs now and look if you're a if you're a baker and you like cooking your own you know brownies baked goods uh then you're gonna enjoy the brownie batter puffs and uh i love brownies but you know what i love more brownie batter sometimes i eat half the batter just while i'm making the brownies imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in as well so typically this would be an unhealthy activity but it's not with the brownie batter puffs from built uh, with 140 calories 17 grams of protein and only seven grams of sugar brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick me up for any day particularly if you're still feeling a little down about the milwaukee bucks the brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to built.com to get the brownie batter puffs right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Justin, what's annoying you? Let's, let's be honest here. Is there anything that you look back and with the series, if it's one of the off-season moves or the moves along the way, that I described the other day on the solo podcast with PJ and Serge Barker and all this kind of stuff. Is there anything in particular that uh, you wow. are struggling to get over? Um, I mean, there's quite a bit that uh, annoys me 
on a routine basis here. I may. Where do I rank it at all? That? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, the PJ one is it's definitely a, a tough pill to swallow. That we knew how impactful he was going to be, and to see that he's still playing, and and how impactful he's been with Miami. But more than that, the annoying thing is seeing how PJ Tucker was utilized this season. That he wasn't just standing in the corner and was initiating <laughs> some of the offense, and and was getting by when when he was basically a negative player offensively for the Bucks last season. Um, so that's a part of it. I mean, kind of tied to that. There's a couple of things that, that stand out to me. This this sounds like a criticism, and it's not. But it really annoyed me early in the series against the Celtics when Wesley Matthews was great and exceeded expectations. But when everybody was pointing to, like, man, he's the P.J. Tucker replacement, and maybe he's a better version. And I saw people pointing to Wesley Matthews shot 40% from three and PJ Tucker only shot 32% last year. And it's like, hang on. PJ Tucker hit 18. I think it was 18 of 59 in the playoffs last year. Wesley Matthews was 19 of 45 this year. So we're basically talking about the same numbers here. And uh, Wes was just slightly higher percentage because he hit one more three in a little fewer attempts. Um, but you, you really saw as the series went on and, Look, did they, did the Bucks lose this series because of defense? No, but their most effective play this season or in that series was when they switched everything, and that injury to Robert Williams basically neutralized that defense. That's predicated on we need one non-shooter on the floor that we can help off of and take everything away at the rim. With Robert Williams out, that was out the window, and you needed to be able to defend all those guys and switch everything. You could definitely do that with P.J. Tucker playing at the four and Giannis at the five. And Wes can really only take on twos and threes at this point, whereas P.J. could go one to five. So that was kind of annoying to me. And again, it seems like you're bashing Wesley Matthews, which was not the case. He was great and far exceeded expectations. But I think people really needed to level set that this is not P.J. Tucker. It's a lot different. It's probably at this point and where you got him as close as you can get to him. But he's not a P.J. Tucker replacement. And the other thing, well, there's there's two, so I, I probably allotted all your time. But really quickly, the other thing is, and I get why it's happening, but it's another thing of you need to level set expectations. The calls for Javon Carter to be playing over George Hill, number one, you knew George Hill was going to play if he was healthy. He's one of Bud's guys. But also, look, George Hill was being targeted defensively by Jason Tatum. Javon Carter is another guy. Great. Exceeded expectations. But – how do you think Javon Carter was going to hold up against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? They were going to do the same thing they did to Grayson Allen and they did uh, to George Hill, and he would be the guy that was targeted. And it's tough to play him in a series against a team with length like that when Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday aren't playing next to him because he's a smaller guy. So Javon Carter was not going to swing this series either. Not to say he wouldn't have been better than George Hill, but that's not going to be enough for the Bucs to have beaten the Celtics. And I think number one on my list is as soon as the season ends to all of a sudden see everybody jumping to the, how do we get Damian Lillard in Milwaukee? And would you trade this? <laughs> would you trade Chris Middleton for him? Would you trade Drew Holiday for him? Enough. Like Damian Lillard is not coming here. They don't have the resources to get it done. And look, Chris Middleton's injury is not the only reason why they lost that series, that there's still introspection that needs to be had and, you still need to get better on the margins, but I don't think it's crazy to suggest the Bucs win that series if Chris Middleton is healthy. And then who knows, maybe you're winning back-to-back -back titles. So 
that is a big component where I understand there are some things you still need to fix and address here, but it's also tough to look at that and say, well, if we're healthy, who says we're not playing for a championship again? It's interesting because I, I think part of, and I, I did, I said that I haven't watched a lot of basketball, but I did watch the second half of the Boston Miami game one. And I do think part of the the difficulty is that, uh, well, maybe the frustration and I'm kind of talking for everyone here when I say this, so I could be wrong. But when you have a player like Giannis, who is pretty much at this point, I think most people say he's the best player in the world. I mean, of course, but whatever. Top three player in the world, fine. You're talking about the elite of the elite. There's no one really close to that still left in the East. Yeah. Uh, you've obviously got Luca and Steph, who are absolutely elite out in the West. But I think that's probably where people look at it and say that is just a that that just feels like a missed opportunity. Like when I'm watching Boston and Miami play now, they're obviously both really, really good teams. They're obviously both elite defenses. And I also just think if you're a Bucks fan and you're watching Jimmy Butler, there is part of you that's like, I don't believe, I don't believe what I'm seeing here because we saw what happened last year. And that's why, you know, I, it would have been impossible for Jimmy Butler to play any worse than he did in last season postseason. So I have to believe he would have been significantly better in any series against the Bucks. But I think that's part of the reason why, if you're a Bucks fan, you found it hard to take Miami serious through the year because you're like, well, if Jimmy Butler's your best player, I don't, I don't think that he can carry an offense against this Bucks team. Well, I, I think the unfortunate part for the Bucks is that if they were the four seed, I would, even without Chris Middleton, I would feel more confident, not to say they would have won, but I would have felt much more confident against the Heat than I would have the Celtics because of the personnel that the Celtics have. And I've said it before, I, I just, and I know they're down one nothing in the series, but I just feel like the Celtics are a better version of the Heat, that this was your worst possible matchup that you got in the second round and you got it when you weren't healthy. In many ways, and why I, I've really felt like for the really the midpoint of the Bucs series that the Celtics were going to win the title this year is, in many ways, they just the entire story right now reminds you of the Bucks last year, where everybody thought it was a mistake to get the Heat in the first round, and the Bucks had a close game in Game One, ended up sweeping them. Celtics have a close game where Jason Tatum hits the game winner, end up sweeping them. Second round series goes to seven games, the opponent is injured. Second round series this year goes to seven games, the opponent is injured. Even Game One, Bucks drop Game One of that conference final series at home to the Hawks. And the Celtics under man drop game one. So it, it feels like a lot of parallels to what we saw with the Bucks last year. And I still expect them to come out of this series. But there's a number of things where you just get caught up playing the what if game of, well, what if Chris was healthy? What if we were on that side of the bracket and had Miami and maybe Chris is healthy by the time this series rolls around that you'll just keep yourself up at night playing those games. And by the way, we should say if anyone missed it, I'm sure nobody did. But Chris said himself that he was no guarantee to even play in the conference final. So I think, you know, all the optimism and the reports, whatever you want to call it, that he was a chance late in the Boston series. I think that's why we said on this show that I don't think that there's any possibility that he's coming back yeah. in this series. It didn't feel like uh, he was all that close. Uh, and, you know, for the Bucs uh, with an injury like that, I, I think Chris put something on social media, something, a photo, and the caption was something like recharge, retool, something like that. And it's like, yeah, I think not to say that the Bucs wouldn't have done anything to win this title, but I think part of it was like, okay, let's make sure that we do not do anything to put this guy's future in jeopardy as well, because we know. Or, or miss all of next season, re-aggravating right. or something, yeah. 
exactly right so ultimately i think they they did the right thing uh and also like is there a part of me that sits there and thinks if if Giannis had that injury he wouldn't have played maybe he would have but we've we've learned to this point that Giannis is absolutely uh not not human when it comes to to health and all those types of things and he'll push himself to basically a place that a very 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 minute percentage of people are able to do it we saw that uh, in last year's postseason, and to be honest, I think we saw it during this series against Boston as well, because I think he was pretty banged up uh, for the most part and was still obviously uh, absolutely spectacular. I'll tell you what else is spectacular. That's uh, Sakara, uh, our friends, uh, sponsoring the podcast today. And feeling your best thoughts with what you eat, Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Now is the time to seek wellness, joy, and abundance in all areas of your life, starting with what you eat. With Sakara, you get nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without ever sacrificing taste or quality. True Radiance starts on your plate, Justin. Made with high-quality organic ingredients, Sakara's plant-rich transformational nutrition programs are expertly designed to deliver real results from reduced bloat and eased digestion to clear skin and boosted energy and moods as well. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. They use plant-rich ingredients. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. Uh, you spell that S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. Of course, the other narrative that a lot of people are, are discussing is obviously Bud. And and let's face it, even when the Bucks won the title last year, there was this idea that they won it despite Mike Budenholzer. Anyone that's listened to this podcast for long enough knows that I think it's absolutely absurd. My biggest problem with, with people from the couch uh, trying to say what is the most simple or what is the most obvious uh, adjustments that you can make, and it happens all the time, is that there's things that we can sit here and say, okay, well, this is what impacted the Bucks losing the game, uh, shooting four for 33 from three. That's real. You, you would have liked to, to have hit a few more, and if you shoot four for 33 in all 82 regular season games next year, I think you're not going to win too many. It's going to be difficult to win those games. That's just the reality. That's what we can sit here and say. Uh, one thing that I just think is like impossible to determine from the couch is that, what what makes a good coach and and the idea to me uh, regardless if you don't think bud is perfect which you know he's not that's fine i think he's got remarkably uh, better in his time in in milwaukee whether it's the way he uses Giannis, whether it is willingness to do things differently defensively uh doesn't mean that he never makes mistakes or whatever but i just think like for me this is why i've always been hesitant to say yeah i think you should go get another coach is because even if you have people, and I see this a little bit, uh, well, the Bucks should just fire Bud and bring in Darvin Ham, or they should fire Bud and bring in Charles Lee. And it's like, okay, what do you specifically know about this man that makes you think that he's going to be a better coach than Mike Budenholzer? Like, to me, the idea of, of analyzing a coach and saying, well, this is a championship coach. You've only got two of them in the history of your franchise in, in well over 50 years. Uh, what makes me sit there and think that you can just go and get another coach? When you look at some of the other franchises and the way they cycle through coaches, 
I, I don't know. Like to me, like the idea that you would fire Mike Budenholzer right now seems absolutely ridiculous. But I, I don't know. I'm, again, I might be in the minority. Um, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, we have the same thoughts there. And at the risk of sounding like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm biased and towing the company line. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else you you would have wanted there. And, and you can point to the tactical stuff and like, well, why didn't you adjust? And what we know about Bud is. Um, up until the series, the first time that, you know, they lost there, they won game three and lost the series that they've gotten better as the series goes on. I think they're nine and two all time in games three, they're eight and three in games four, that the longer the series goes, the better they get. And those are his adjustments. It's not so much the in-game stuff. Um, but I, I think it was, and granted, I understand this is very uh, polarizing with his takes as well now, but I think it was Jeff Van Gundy that I saw mentioning it drives him crazy too when fans talk about adjustments or lack thereof that coaches are making, or maybe it was Stan, um, that, look, you can say he's not doing anything differently and he's not making an adjustment to this, but the fact of the matter is we're doing this, this, and this, and we're telling this defender to come off screens here and do this. And those are things that maybe you don't pick up on. It's it's the same as you know NFL criticism where it's, why was he open here? And you don't understand was the zone and what was his responsibility there. So there's components to that. But overall, look, what Bud did last year, all the criticisms, he went to those and, you know, he made those adjustments and he played and coached differently, I should say. Um, so he more than bought the goodwill for what, number one, what he did to turn this franchise around and put it at the level it's at when he arrived. But then bringing in a championship, it buys you time, too. So like, you don't just get fired after winning a title. And, and I saw that same thing, too, of you need to fire Bud and hire whoever the best mind is out there now. Um, it's a rash overreaction. And, and the other thing I guess we could lump into with the annoyance is the other narrative that's like, man, who would have thought Jason Kidd would end up being the better coach than Bud? Like, okay. <laughs> Number one, Jason Kidd doesn't become that coach if he doesn't get fired and have to assess how he's doing things and change those things. So it's all a butterfly effect here. And, and look, are there things Bud could have done differently or, or you hoped he would have made adjustments or changed things in that series? Sure. Ultimately, I, I just, I'm not convinced in this series, given how their depth was just depleted as that series went on, obviously the biggest component of it, Chris Middleton, but they didn't have wing depth and the Celtics are a very, very wing heavy team. And it's funny just to look at DeAndre Bembry and signing him and him blowing out his ACL and he's unavailable. Chris Middleton goes down. And look, I, I know a lot of people were going to end up being right about this, but at the time the trade was made, a lot of people didn't like the Serge Ibaka trade. In hindsight, Dante DiVincenzo probably would have helped you out quite a bit in that Celtics series. So there's a lot of unfortunate things that went into it where you can nitpick and criticize, but ultimately what what other cards were there left for him to play in that series is is where I think it, it ultimately boils down to. And I, I will say, you know, I've been fortunate the last couple of years in particular to to sort of as you do get the chance to talk to some of these guys and whether it's you know coaches here in Australia, coaches in the US. And almost always when I think something is simple and I think that there's yeah. something that seems rather obvious, I'll ask the question and then I'll get some long-ass explanation that just reminds me how little I know about basketball and how smart these people are. So the one thing that I always look at with coaching, and by the way, it's not to say that you can't criticize and it's not to say that they don't make mistakes. We've certainly done that in the past. I think back to 
you know, the series in the bubble against Miami. I, I think we were pretty open and honest about where we're at. And we said he's probably got one season to figure it out. Now, they won a title. Yes, they probably had some some luck along the way to winning that title, but they did it. And I think that through that season and through the last two years, he's shown enough to, to tell everyone or to show everyone that he's willing to try things. He's willing to adjust. He's willing to have different lineups. Uh, but I just always generally, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's some other basketball team, again, whether it's a team here in Australia, if I, if I think that something is so obvious to me on my couch, so obvious that then it, there's normally more to it than what I think sitting here on my couch. So that's just the one thing I would say. So for all the the simple adjustments that people think should have been made, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe you're right, but I would suggest that there's probably more detail into what went on uh, out on the floor. And ultimately, it wasn't enough for this year, which is frustrating because I think everyone would rather be, as I said right at the top of the podcast, everyone would rather be sitting here doing a post-game pod, talking about bucks and heat. Game two, yeah. Exactly right. Doing a pretty. Well, I, I so. think the most look, and I, I I agree that it's not to say you can't criticize. And I think the most valid criticism you could have is we, we got to find a better way to get this offense more free flowing, and you, you got to do something to address the half court offense because that has been an issue for three plus years now. Um, defensively, I get that everybody looks at the three point numbers and throws their hands in the air and says, "This is crazy. You're you're never going to win that." We've seen when this works at its best, you will win. But again, it, it boils down to not facing a team that can play five out. And the Celtics, in many ways, were the worst possible matchup for the Bucs. And, and the Robert Williams injury is really what put it over the top. I think that's right. And I mentioned this on the podcast the other day. If you're going to have a roster where you've got three guys that have paid 30-plus million, uh, you better damn well hope that they're all available come the postseason. Yeah. Because if not, the rest of your roster is going to be somewhat compromised. Uh, and we saw that. And, uh, and I think... You know, ultimately, across the the course of this series, we did see that Bucks didn't have enough, and unfortunately, uh, they're done. Uh, we're done for today as well, though. Uh, but make sure you check out the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, they still got the national stuff ticking over as the playoffs continue to roll, and also the Locked On Big Board podcast. Uh, the lottery was done. Uh, we haven't had to worry about the lottery for a while, Justin, but I did hear on the grapevine that the Orlando Magic have taken uh, or have got the number one pick, and yeah, I heard a lot of discussion about. Well, that's right. And I, I thought I heard a lot of discussion about what Orlando is going to do with this pick. And I had to laugh to myself. If there's a guy that's super long, super skinny, and you think that the Orlando Magic are not taking that guy, then you have to be kidding yourself. So I think we all know who Orlando are going with pick one. But check out the Big Board podcast uh, here on the Locked On Network as well. And outside of that, uh, Justin, we'll keep rolling. We'll keep finding things to talk about. Uh, hit us up in the YouTube comments. Uh, with any ideas, any questions, anything you want. And uh, I'm sure we'll use it through the off-season. Justin, you just continue finding uh, things to do. I don't know. Keep yourself occupied. Um, yeah, I guess the the good news is with the Bucks. the only piece of good news with them being out is that my Blues, are their schedule is the exact same as the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> so it would have been really torn had, had the Bucks still been playing so I can at least uh, – follow along there and uh, try to get back into baseball now too in this in this normal off season which is strange when you think about man we got like five months before games resume again versus last year when it was like seven weeks sadly uh my oakland days are already done and dusted so <laughs> i don't have to worry about baseball this season which maybe is actually better for me but anyway uh we will leave it there we'll have a podcast tomorrow so make sure you check it out we appreciate you guys sticking with us through the off season Catch you guys tomorrow.